And that's what I decided. I'm going to murder my mother. But I didn't feel that I had to uh, face what I had done ever. He killed 33 times. I'm the king, man. I decide who's does what and where they do it at. So next time you see me, <laughs> I will kill you. Okay, well, I'm recording now. I am recording now. Do you want to clap? Okay. It, yes, let's go ahead and do that. One, two, three. <clears throat> it's okay if you fuck up from time to time, dude. It's not a big deal. We've already established I don't fuck up like you do. Well, I deleted that whole episode that time, so it's, uh, as long as it's not that bad. No, 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 it's not. So what's up, guys, and welcome to take two of this episode, but uh, welcome to The Chilling Truth. I am Corey. That is Johnny over there. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about Pablo Escobar. So we did Pablo Escobar, what was it, like a year ago, two years ago? It was a long time ago we did it. I think it was like a year and a half ago that we did Pablo Escobar, and it didn't really get any type of, like, it didn't get any traction with any of our listeners, so we kind of scrapped the whole thing. Uh, we left the episode up for quite a while, mostly because I just forgot to go delete it. And, um, yeah, apparently it ended up being our most, it, 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 it ended up being our most listened to episode, so... I guess you guys like drug lords, and so we decided to scrap that one, come back this time with way more research than we had before, and we're going to redo it, and then we're going to give you guys a three-parter on this one, and you guys can uh, enjoy that. It might be a two-parter. I'm not sure yet. I haven't finished all the research, but uh, Pablo Escobar in full is Pablo Emilio Escobar Gavira, and uh, he was born December 1st, 1949, and... Are you really styling your beard in the in the video right now? Bro, it's still got like morning beard. Can you continue, dude? Jesus Christ. Anyways. I'm not styling. I'm just running my fingers through it to like straight up. It gets naughty, you know? It's, you know, thick, okay. thick beard. Yeah, you're just, why are you, okay. You we'll brought it up, dude. You brought it up. We'll just move on. It's not a big deal. We'll just move I was on. trying to move on. <laughs> he was born December 1st, 1949. And he died December 2nd, 1993, which is kind of sad because it's the day after his birthday. Hopefully he had a decent birthday the day before. But uh, once we get to it, we'll realize that uh, he fucking didn't have a decent birthday because he's on the run from the government. But uh, he was a Colombian criminal and drug lord who, as head of the Medellin cartel, was arguably the most powerful drug lord and trafficker in the 1980s and early 90s. He was labeled a drug lord and narco-terrorist, and he was and still is the wealthiest criminal in history if you ignore the U.S. government. So the Medellin cartel, they supplied 80% of the cocaine smuggled into the United States at the height of Pablo's career. And, okay, the numbers I'm going to give you guys for how much money this guy had is... It's numbers that none of us will ever be able to make. None of us will ever have this much money. I feel confident in saying that. But he made an estimated $21.9 billion dollars a year that's billion dollars a year personal income that's his personal income that's not counting what the whole organization made that's the money that he put in his pocket so yeah. he was labeled the king of cocaine he had an estimated net worth of 25 to 30 billion uh that's u.s dollars which would be about 48 to 56 billion as of 2017 and pablo escobar was like i said earlier the wealthiest criminal in history but he didn't get that way overnight and he did not get that way without causing a little bit of violence and a little bit of bloodshed but actually it was uh, a lot of bloodshed a lot of violence i can't compute that amount of money like that's yeah it's a stupid amount there's no reason to have that kind of money it's a lot of money 
I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I'll have a thousand dollars and I'm like, man, this is a lot of money to have all at once. Oh, I would love to have that much money. You would want $25 billion? Yeah, bro. I don't even want that kind of, you know what kind of stress comes with $25 billion? People trying to kill you, people coming after you. Well, I mean, if, if there were, if there were no strings attached, if I just had the money and I just, I could, I could use it however I wanted, zero issues. So if someone just gave you $25 billion and you were just like, no one would ever bother you again. It depends on what I got to do for that person to give it to me. I promise you right now, if you had $25 billion, I would call you and be like, Johnny, I need to borrow. I know a lot of people would, so I'd have to go into hiding. But that's fine because that's exactly what I want to do. I would be able to get my cabin in the woods on a mountain. You could buy every cabin in the world with $25 billion. Yeah, but I don't want to. I just want mine, and I don't want anybody to know. If I buy all of them, they're going to know that I bought them, and, you know, you just your name's out there. I'm trying to disappear, so basically, man. So basically what you would do is if you had $25 billion, you would spend, what, twenty grand on a, on a cabin in the woods, and then you would sit on the rest of the money? No, man. I would, like, you know, buy tractors and shit, you know, grow stuff, you know, buy Frisbees, fucking, you know. You would ruin the economy if you were just sitting on that kind of money without spending any of it. I could buy whatever snowboard I wanted, uh, you know. I. I'd These still are very be the, small goals I, to have. These are. Why no, would it, you not? Help the, well, the, the money poor. doesn't. Help the money people. doesn't have to change you. I like the things that I like. It's not the things I like are they cost me a ton of money. So, it's not that, you know the, I don't do it for the fucking, the cost or however much I'm making because I don't I can't even afford the hobbies I have now. But I'd make it work. So I feel like I wouldn't, I love those hobbies. So why would I change it just because I got to, I would be able to do those hobbies more if I had that kind of money. Like that's all I want to do. Like kayak camp, fucking just chill in the, in, the, in the woods, dude. Fucking go sightseeing. You could buy a national park with $25 billion probably. I could. It's it's not you about making the right people. Right, but wh- why? I'm not thinking about investments to make more money. I don't need more money if that's the kind of money I have. I'm not saying make money. I'm just saying you could own a national park and you could live there all you want. Why would I want to own it? I don't know, dude. Let's just move on because your goals of having money are very different than mine. If I owned it, I'd have to. I'd have to. If I owned that kind of property, I would have to p- spend the money to build a wall around it because people would want to get in. It's a national park. Of course people want to get in. That's what it's there for. I don't want to share my shit. What is mine is mine, man. Jesus Christ. You are the stingiest billionaire in the world. Look, I just want to live my own life, my own business, okay? I think you could get by with having probably $100,000 and you'd never have to work again. Probably. I'm pretty good at ironing a penny. So... Like we always do, let's get into Pablo's early life and his rise to criminal fame. So, like we said earlier, he was born December 1st, 1949 in Rio Negro, Colombia. Uh, That's a city, so I'm allowed to say it. He was the third of seven children of the farmer Abel de Jesus Dari Escobar. I'm going to fuck all these fucking names up. Uh, What does that look like to you? Echeviri? 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 Yeah, that sounds good. And he was born in 1910 and died in 2001. That's a long fucking life. That's a good amount for... He saw two world wars, right? You know, for living that kind of lifestyle. I mean, that's crazy that he lived that... What was World War One? 19... Like, what was World War One? World War One was it 1930s? Damn, so this dude t- saw two world wars. Jesus Christ. 
but his wife, Hermilda de los Dolores Garvia Barrio, ooh, not bad. Uh, she died in 2006, and she was an elementary school teacher. So, wow, look at that. Dude, 1914 and 1918 was World War One. I'm sure there's people listening to this like, what the fuck is wrong with you? World War II, and I mean... There's people screaming at us right now that we don't know that. <laughs> look, man, I was born in 86. World War II is the closest. I mean, that was in the 40s. It's easy. But, yeah, World War One. I, I don't... I know people in World War II. I don't know anybody in World War One. That's like, you know, knowing the exact dates of... Well, anything that happened 200 years ago. Right, exactly. If you're interested in it, you'll So Pablo was raised in Medellin uh, nearby and was thought to have started his criminal life as a teenager. It was said he would steal gravestones, have them sanded down, and then sold them to smugglers, which is a great way to get fucking haunted by a bunch of ghosts. So Escobar's brother, Roberto Escobar, denies this claim, though. Uh, Pablo's son, Sebastian Marroquin says his father's life of crime began when he started selling fake high school diplomas, uh, which I didn't know was <laughs> even there. I didn't know there was a market to have a fake high school diploma. That's hilarious. Uh, but he eventually started doing petty street crimes, fake lottery tickets, contraband cigarettes, and stealing cars with Oscar Benel Aguirre. Uh, in the nineteen seventy in the nineteen seventies, the late nineteen seventies, uh, before getting into the drug game. Pablo started acting as a bodyguard and thief, and he claimed to have earned $100,000 by kidnapping and holding Medellin executives hostage. I mean, this is as a teenager. Man, what the fuck are we doing? I'm almost 30. Yeah. Now, he accomplished quite a bit. I mean, you can, you can accomplish a lot when you're committing crimes, I guess. I don't know. Physically and mentally, if you can kidnap someone that young, dude, kudos. These motherfuckers are mowing outside. I feel like my microphone's picking it up. Uh, yeah, I can hear it. Let's give it a minute for them to fuck off. Just politely stand outside and tell them. Hey, okay, you guys the mind? I'm trying up. to record a mediocre podcast that makes me no money. Can y'all shut the fuck up, please? Yeah, there are like a few people that are trying to hear. <laughs> There's people these. waiting for this episode to come out. Yeah, there are people. So Pablo, uh, after. Doing all this crazy shit, he decided that the route to quick cash lay in commercial business robbery. Uh, he started by scoping out potential targets. He would then ride to the target businesses on his motorbike, slip a baklava over his head, rush the business with a knife or gun in hand, demand the money, and then get out of there. And it all happened in about 30 seconds. You have to be really brave uh, to rob a store, I feel like, because a lot of stores, they carry guns now. And I feel like to rob a convenience store yeah. is pretty ballsy. Yeah, but this is the 70s and 80s, man. But as we'll find out later, too, he uh, is very, 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 very ballsy. So after a few successful robberies, Pablo recruited his cousin to join him. Uh, One would ride the bike and act as the getaway rider while the other stormed the business. And within a few months, Pablo became bored of this and moved on to bigger and easier things, which, I mean, is pretty fucking common with sociopaths like this. Uh, Because Pablo Escobar was definitely 100% a sociopath. Um, but we see this a lot with serial killers. Tech, I mean, technically, I guess if you wanted to label every murder that was committed by the Medellin cartel at Pablo's demand, I guess technically he would be like a serial killer if he did all of those murders himself. But a lot of serial yeah. killers, they do one thing and then they get bored with it very easily. Um, and so I guess he was no different than them. He established a contact with a Renault car dealer who would provide him with copies of the keys 
to the cars that he had just sold along with the addresses of the buyers. And then Pablo <laughs> would turn up to the addresses and drive the cars away. I mean... That was awesome. I don't know what you gain out of this, though. Is he reselling the cars back to the guys? The guy reselling the cars? Yeah, you get to sell... Oh, you get to sell the car more than once, man. <laughs> it's so fucking shady, You're collecting man. cash and you're taking the car back, dude. That it's hilarious. So it's shitty, shady. yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> in his late teens, Pablo caught, was caught in the act of stealing one of these cars. He ended up spending several months in a La Ladera jail, uh, which was, to him, a positive life experience. Here, he learned about how to move into bigger, uh, bigger time criminal activity. Which it's a weird way to word that. Into bigger time criminal activity. I guess big time criminal activity. I don't fucking know. But uh, yeah. this included kidnapping and drug trafficking, which he came became very, very, very good at. So once back on the street, Pablo and his cousin Gustavo went right back to stealing cars. They built up they built up a collection of stolen engine parts, which they would sell off bit by bit. The pair took to building race cars with Pablo competing in local events, and Pablo and Garcia. Were, or Pablo and Gustavo weren't the only ones stealing cars in Medellin, which led to an extens, uh, the extension of his operation. So he decided to also sell protection so that people would pay him to ensure their car did not get taken. He's kind of like Apple. You create a problem, and then you sell a solution. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Apple makes a damn good product. You have a flip phone. I have a couple... Ma Dude, oh Johnny Tumax. Again, see, this happens so often. So Pablo was able to provide this service because he had developed a reputation as an unpredictable and violent young man. Uh, if anyone owed him money, Pablo would hire some local thugs to kidnap the person. Uh, he would then ransom him for whatever was owed to him. And from time to time, he would have the person killed even when the ransom was paid simply to in, uh, in put fear into those uh, he dealt with. Oh, yeah. That's psychopath shit, man. It's a message. If you're trying to run a, a a group of people or a community or whatever, you have to, yeah, like you said, you have to you scare have to be people. Feared to you be have to. It's not that I want to kill people. It's I want to rule, and if I want to rule, I've got to. I have to sacrifice my people to scare the rest of my people so that they that listen to me. Doesn't make you any less of a psychopath, though. Well, no, but I'm as far as like. Him enjoying killing. I mean, he wasn't remorseful, but I don't think he got like a yeah, thrill out of it. It was just it was business. Anything. Yeah, no, he was just playing chess. He was just knocking pawns down. <clears throat> so before long, Pablo decided to specialize in kidnapping uh, for their own sake. So along with his cousin and future brother-in-law, he nabbed a rich businessman by the name of Diego. Uh, just say that. Try to say that one. I can't roll my R, so it's going to sound stupid no matter how I say it. Diego Ecavaria. That sounds pretty good, I guess. We'll go with that. Uh, so this man, this man was intensely yeah. disliked by many of the poor workers in Medellin uh, who were being laid off in droves by industrialists like him. Despite the family okaying the, the $50,000 ransom demand, he was beaten, strangled, and then dumped in a ditch. Even though he had just committed a terrible crime, his choice of victim made Pablo hugely popular among the common folk in Medellin. And in a strange way, they saw the killings as the killing as Pablo striking a blow for social equality, which we'll see again when he starts making all this money. He's building houses for the poor. He's building all kinds of shit for the poor. Basically, creating that 
that community with the poor people so that when he starts getting all the flack back from being a fucking terrorist, they have his back, you know, either way. Oh, so for like sure. he plays the card yeah. time and time again. Soon after this, Pablo started working for Avaro Prieto, a contraband smuggler. I bet there's people out there listening who are just so fucking mad the way I'm saying these names right now because I can't say them right. I don't. I'm not. That's okay. I'm a white boy from Louisiana. I don't know how to say these words. But he was a contraband smuggler around Medellin. Uh, under Prieto, Pablo was doing a modest amount of drug trafficking as well. But before long, he decided that he wanted more of a slice of the pie for himself. So he drove his stolen Renault 4 to Ecuador and bought 5 kilos of Peruvian cocaine paste. Successfully passing through a number of police and military checkpoints, he returned to Medellin, where he processed the cocaine. He next contacted fellow criminals, the Ochoa brothers, to set up a sale to local cocaine chief Fabio Restrepo. The sale netted Pablo close to $100,000, far surpassing anything he had previously done and setting him firmly on the path to becoming a high-end drug dealer. Now, I've been, I watched a lot of Narcos to get in the mindset for this episode, and a lot of, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know if it, it doesn't seem like it really coincides with what actually happened, but in the, I think they just did it for dramatic purposes, but it shows him, like, buying three cars and, like, loading them up with cocaine and, like, all this other shit, and, like, but, I mean, it sounds like he knew what he was doing regardless of whether it was for dramatic purposes or if it actually did happen. So, within two months, uh, Fabio Restrepo had been murdered. Uh, and suddenly there was a new man at the head of the Medellin cocaine operation, and that man was Pablo Escobar. Uh, it has never been conclusively proven that Pablo murdered Restrepo, but that is pretty much what everyone involved believed had happened. Uh, the majority of those working for Restrepo were under class uh, class dandies. Uh, they were frightened by, by Pablo and the ruthless hoodlums he surrounded himself with, which will be uh, known as sicarios. It's a really good movie, the first one and the second one, actually. So shortly mm. after muscling his way to the top of the Medellin cocaine syndicate, Pablo married 15-year-old Maria Victoria Helena Vallejo, which, I mean, I guess uh, it was a different time. So you were able to uh, do that when you're 26. Uh, it seemed like the sky was the limit for Pablo because now, like I said, he's 26. He has a wife and a lot of wealth and a lot of power. Uh, and to his credit, Pablo was a family man up until the end. And uh, I'm going to say this little fun fact real quick, but while he was on the run, uh, he uh, he burned $2 million in cash because his daughter said she was cold. I mean, if anyone <laughs> has money like that, I am so cold right now, and I really need someone to help. That's family. That's family, dude. But I mean, when you have $25 billion, that's like having $25 and spending two pennies. So the cocaine trade from Panama through Colombia and into the United States, boomed in the late 1970s, with most of it being trafficked through Escobar's organization. Uh, under Pablo, the cocaine industry became streamlined. He purchased a fleet of airplanes, including a Learjet, to transport the drugs into the United States, where there was an inexhaustible supply of willing buyers. People loved cocaine in the 70s, man. I mean, people still love cocaine to this day. They still do. To I've this never day. done cocaine. I don't know what it's like to do cocaine. But I'm sure some of our listeners out there have. And, uh, I mean, if you're an older person and you did cocaine in the late 1970s and up until the 90s, you probably did some of Pablo Escobar's cocaine. So good for you. Yes. I should have put this earlier in the script, but before he did become the king of cocaine, 
he did smuggle a lot of other things like TVs, radios, pretty much anything he could get a good amount of money for. He paid off cops, border agents, and anyone who would get in the way. And that's honestly, that's one reason why his his cocaine enterprise was so successful because he already had these routes that he was smuggling all this other shit on and all these other people were already paid off already. So when he went to these places to, or when he was going through these checkpoints and stuff, they didn't even check him because he they just assumed he had TVs or whatever the fuck, you know, that he was already usually carrying through there. So they just let him go through. But uh, he had cocaine instead of the regular things he had before. Yeah, man, guards get complacent too, dude. <clears throat> they just start letting people through and they do like lazy ass checks and searches oh, yeah. and shit. Or they're time. part of it, so it's like, yeah, they just let them go on through. Who knows? Well, they probably just let them go on through because Pablo had a very, very simple method of dealing with people, and it was plata o plomo, which uh, translates to silver or lead, meaning if he can't bribe you, he'll kill you. And, I mean, it's right, probably right. easier just to take the money. So by 26, Pablo was definitely richer than us, definitely, and probably all of our listeners combined. Uh, and he really started making that money when he started doing, uh, when he started distributing the cocaine. So before really researching into like how Pablo built his 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 organization and everything, I didn't really understand how cartels worked. I thought it was just like one guy at the head of everything and he did everything. But really, it's a lot of other quote unquote bosses that kind of help. You know, they each do their part. They each have their areas, their territories, and things like that. But they all work together and kind of agree not to fucking murder each other. Unless you're from a separate cartel. Right. So when the Medellin cartel was formed, it was in 1975. Uh, So notable members were Escobar. Obviously, he served as the head of the organization dealing with the transport, production, and sale of the cocaine. I mean, it it sounds like he's doing all the work. I mean, what else do you have to do? (laughs) Transport, production, sales. I mean, what else is there? Maybe he wanted it done right, so he figured he'd do it himself. And the more you do yourself the less you have to pay other people that's true but pablo was shelling out a shitload of money for bribes and all kinds of other crazy shit but we'll get also get into all that later on but other members were the ochoa brothers that we mentioned earlier juan david george uh jorge lewis and fabio which he only had one fucking name i guess don't murder me i'm just <laughs> kidding i'm a comedian on a podcast please do not kill me if you're part of a cartel and you're listening to this i am so sorry uh, but what they would do is they would fly out several planes several times, mainly between Panama and Colombia, uh, along the smuggling routes into the U.S. And maybe if they built a fucking wall, they would have kept all this damn cocaine out of our country. Right? Yeah, keep the planes out? The wall would retain Wait, what planes. do you mean? Planes go up? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they're supposed to, oh, typically, hell, yes. we're going to have to build a roof over the U.S. if we're going to keep all this damn cocaine out. I like that idea better. I mean, especially out here in the valley. Put air conditioner yeah. in there. Protect me from sun. It'd be like a big well, magnifying glass. <laughs> just be a bunch of fucking ants. But isn't that what we all are anyway? To God? Just a bunch of ants. To God? Yeah, man, I don't know. I'm trying to appease to the Christians, so maybe they'll uh-huh. tell people about our podcast. Okay. That's a terrible, terrible approach. It's never going to work, so let's just continue with Escobar <laughs> for the people that I'm do this. I'm trying to network. Shit. So eventually Pablo bought 15 yeah. planes. That's right. 15 fucking airplanes real planes that have motors in them 15 of the fucking things how much is one plane this is so much it's crazy hey man you might they're probably all different sizes they have different interior he likes to switch it up depends on how he's feeling where he's headed you know who he's with it's a lot of fucking planes dude uh so if you have watched narcos on netflix uh which I did a lot, like I said, gearing up for this episode. But you'll see in the opening credits the entrance to uh, Hacienda Napoles, 
And on top of the arch is a plane, and according to Pablo's son, a close friend of Pablo died while landing a plane, and Pablo had the plane reconstructed from the scrap and put on top of the sign. Which is pretty, which is kind of sweet, honestly. Mm. It's kind of nice that he loved his friend like that, yes. which brings me to the question of, was Pablo Escobar a psychopath? I mean, he obviously cared about this man, but I mean, if we've learned anything, is psychopaths aren't entirely un, entirely emotionless. They don't feel certain emotions, but like like BTK had a family, and he was nice to his wife and his kids. And I mean, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of serial killers have had families. I mean, look at John Wayne Gacy. He was, I mean, well, he wasn't really nice to his wife. He kind of would just look at gay porn and jerk off in front of her and stuff. So I guess he, maybe he's not a good example. Mm. But I mean, no, they have to feel some kind of love. I mean, he had a wife and a kid, two kids. I mean, he had to feel something. Yeah, like I said, he doesn't. I don't think he was like a. A serial killer the way we typically see a serial right, killer. Right, he was more of like the uh, CEO type of psychopath. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like we've already discussed, it's, yeah, it's just the fact that he, he you gotta make moves, man. He ain't no bitch. He's gotta well, do he what you gotta do. That. You know what I'm but saying? I mean, with, a, with, a type of C, with a type of psychopath that typically CEOs are, it's more of like the step on whoever I have to step on to get to the fucking top and do what I gotta do kind of thing. Yeah, that's exactly what he was doing. He was just doing it yeah, by he killing was them. Stepping on them with bullets. Yeah, it's still cutthroat. Just, just as cutthroat as any other executive position. He just was a little more violent with it. As so, well. I mean, four to twelve percent. I did some research on the psychopath uh, stuff about CEOs. So, four to twelve percent of CEOs exhibit psychopathic tendencies. And like we said, that's really what you have to be in that way of business because you can't get to the top without stepping on people. Uh, and at one point or another, Pablo was the most successful businessman in the world, and he killed thousands of people, uh, not by his own hand, but, I mean, it might as well have been because, I mean, he, he has this quote, and it's, it's actually <laughs> kind of a badass quote. But he says, quote, sometimes I feel like God, when I order someone killed, they die the same day. I mean, it's kind of a metal thing to say, if you have that kind of power. It it's is, crazy. Nah. But but you don't get that power by not yeah, killing Yeah, I mean, he people. obviously killed people by his own hand at some point or another, but what I'm saying is, like, it, it's crazy that he had that type of power to be like, you need to kill this person, and then they had to just do it, no questions. I mean, Hitler did it. Uh, fucking Manson did it. Stalin did it. I mean, yeah, you just gotta... I mean... People think that Hillary did it. Christ, okay. <laughs> sorry. We're not going to get into Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Well, I should have stopped it. I thought it was funny. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, I feel like it's a requirement to be in one of those leadership type roles, man. Like, I, it sucks. And that's one thing I didn't like about the military because, well, and I can only speak for the Navy as far as advancement. You know, in what, the Army and the, and the Marines. You you know your job well, you uh, you know exhibit like you take like a, a very short small assessment. And you go before a board and prove to them that you know how to fucking do your job. They fucking move you up. You you gain rank. Right, exactly. Well, in the huh? I was agreeing with you. Yes. But yeah. Okay. So in the Navy, it's it's all by exam. So, but in order to so we all pass the exam. The exam's easy. So you pass, but not advance. So when you don't, when you, when you pass, but you don't advance, that's when you rely on your cutthroat behavior where you just kind of step on the people 
around you just so you can kiss ass and get into a position where officers are going to notice you more to give you a better recommendation, to give you an early promotion recommendation. It's all about to, who you know. You know, recommend you for accommodations and medals and shit like that. Like, people are just, like, they're quick to tell on you and, like, become that golden boy. And it just was never my style. So I was like, fuck this. Like, I don't, I don't have that kind of attitude. I don't want to move up in this environment that bad to where I've got to be a fucking shithole to everybody. Because everybody's fake. I mean... They were nice to your face. You could work with most people. But as soon as you turned your back, man, like, it's just like high school, I guess. People just, like, run their fucking mouths. I don't think that really happens with any job, just about. It's all about who you know and whose dick you're sucking underneath their desk to go get kind of some kind of promotion. Right. But if, you know, I would rather have a job where I can... I can go home. I can grow a beard. I don't have to, like, be attached to these motherfuckers nonstop, like... It was an environment you couldn't get get away from, especially being out at sea. I mean, if if you and I are out at sea together and I piss you off or I bother you, you can't get away from me. We eat, sleep, shit together. Like, for like 10 months, man. Like, in a regular job, I could cut you off at 3, 5 o'clock, whatever. I guarantee if you and I were out at sea together, you would bother me. And I would probably bother you. I mean, you. It, as long as we were on like a carrier, nah, it's still, yeah. Yeah. Even that. If we were the only people on an, an aircraft carrier, we'd probably still get on each other's nerves. Like the only two people. And we on could the whole go days without seeing each other. each other. Right, but we could go days without seeing each other. That's how big those things are. Like the flight deck is like four acres. Yeah, we'd be fine. But we would still we'd play tennis or something. I mean, badminton. We figure something out. Yeah, I guess I don't play ma- badminton. Well, so we're, does the, that's we're out. stranded out in the middle of the ocean. I bet you'll play it. I'm pretty sure I could design another, invent a, another game that I'm going to like more than badminton. No, no, man, we got another bit of time. So Pablo was definitely. Sense. Let's get back on track here. <laughs> Pablo was definitely the <laughs> definition of a psychopath. We're wrapping this up anyway. This is the end. Yeah, of we're it. getting there. Uh, but obviously, he didn't gain sexual pleasure from the killing, uh, like most people we talk about. But there is no way he viewed people as more anything more than objects or just collateral damage for his uh, rise to power. Uh, but anyone that got in Pablo's way was going to die at some point, no matter if you were a cop, a judge, or even a presidential candidate. He just, he didn't care. It didn't matter to him. No, he had an agenda, and he, was, he wasn't willing to, you know, stray away from his plan. He knew what he wanted, and he knew how to get it. You just yeah, kill people. That's all, man. And do what you gotta do. Hate another man for that, you know. Man can dream, can't he? And uh, that's where we're gonna stop for this episode. And we will be back Until next uh, time. in two weeks with Pablo Escobar Part 2. Two or should I say part dose? Is that racist? You know you don't have to say part. You don't dose. think so? I'm like a dad now, so I order my. I say, uh, poor for Okay, well yeah, I guess as long as you keep it in that context, that uh, people will allow. Oh, thank it. you. Anyway, we'll be back uh, in two weeks with part two. You can follow me on Instagram at the Dad's Show. You can follow Johnny on Instagram at Johnny Two Jokes. You can follow. It's actually Johnny underscore two underscore jokes, isn't it? No, it's just Johnny Two Jokes. I think it's it's all one word, oh, yeah. Never mind. And you can follow the show at the Chilling Truth Podcast on Instagram. And uh, we will catch you guys on the flippity flip. Later. Later.